Hey there, are you sick and tired of feeling sick and tired? Join Adol Kozilski and Fagy Stern as they explore ways to reverse chronic illness and achieve vibrant health. Your health is your only wealth and together we can be better. Hashtag Healthy You, Wealthy You. Good morning, good morning. I am Adol Kozilski. This is 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show. And as always, I am partnered by Faggy. Good morning, Faggy. Nice to see you. Good morning, Adel. Nice to see you too. Yes. And for those listeners, sometimes we actually talk to black boxes. But today, um, <laughs> I'm actually looking at Faggy and at our guest. And today, we have a super duper show. And we are looking forward for you to join in the conversation. You know, when we talk about health, Faggy and I talk a lot about our physical health and what it is that we can do to make ourselves better. But physical health is very much affected by emotional health. And uh, just before the show, Faggy was sharing sharing something with me and Faggy. Hey, share it with the world. <laughs> so SD, I was looking at an Imago YouTube clip and um, the guy was explaining about Imago. And the next thing he says, well, the way that it's connected to health is that we all crave connection. And if we, the whole concept of health is that we look for a connection with someone. And if we don't get that connection, that we... Our, our bodies are actually not healthy and the, they, they fill with toxins like cortisol and stress hormones and then everything in our lives becomes stressful, our relationships are stressful, mm-hmm. um, whereas when we do have that connection, our bodies are, and our minds are filled with, you know, the good stuff um, and then it obviously comes out in our, in our health, in our lives. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. We are going to be speaking to Esti Madali, who is an Imwalka counsellor. We'd love you to join the conversation on 3 4 519 or our telegram on 061-895-1019. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Faggy Stern. We have absolute pleasure in welcoming Esti Madali onto the show. Esti is a social worker working at the Family Life Center and in private practice. She is a certified Imago professional facilitator and she's trained in clinical Imago Therapy. She also works as a counsellor for the Chev, doing prepare and enrich for couples about to be married. So without further ado, good morning, Esti, to the show. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Okay, so let's kick off by giving our listeners an understanding about what is Imago Therapy? What, what, what definition can we have about what Imago Therapy does? Okay, so Imago Therapy, let me just give you a basic of what, what the theory, the basic, basic theory of what imago therapy is. So the idea is that we fall in love with a specific person that we call your imago match. I'm not going to get into too much detail around that, but basically it's a template that gets created in your childhood and that becomes the person that you'll be drawn to and attracted to as your intimate partner in adulthood. So what happens then is you first experience this romantic love where everything feels wonderful everything feels whole you're connected you're alive you feel like you're wholesome and there's this wonderful and as Peggy mentioned earlier the strong feeling of connection you feel connected in that first romantic phase but then what naturally then happens is that this romantic phase starts to naturally fade away and couples move into the next phase and stage that we call the power struggle and all this positive energy then gets replaced with negative energy and a lot of conflict and a lot of frustration and a lot of triggering. Um, and, and then what happens is, is that feeling of connection gets lost. 
So just in, in very short, that's what the theory is. Yeah. Okay. So just what is Imago therapy then something that one uses when one finds um, that they're struggling in a relationship or is it something that you should just know off the bat? Is it better that you, you, you familiarize yourself with its concept before you get yourself into relational, relational, relational trouble? I think the thing is, is that it's very important to know that the power struggle is a very natural and necessary part of the process. And the therapy is there to help couples move through the power struggle into a more conscious partnership. Because what's going on in the power struggle, and it's important, I think, to know this and also destigmatize going for couples therapy, because people think that you've got to wait until you're in deep trouble to go for therapy, is what's happening is a normal and natural process. What happens is, is that we actually live our default mode is to live in from an unconscious place, okay? And a little bit, don't want to get too much into the brain, but the brainstem of our brain, okay, that part of our brain is responsible for keeping us safe, okay? And that part of the brain is constantly scanning the environment to see, am I safe? Am I under threat? Am I not under threat? Okay, so what happens in the romantic phase that you don't feel that part of your subconscious very strongly, you feel wonderful. But as that starts to fade away, that part of the brain becomes very active. And in that part of the brain, what gets stored there is all our subconscious and unconscious unmet childhood needs. So it goes deep back into our childhood. And then what happens is when that romantic phase starts to fade away, you see this other partner as actually an other and as someone who is a threat to you and is a threat to your safety. So everything that they, well, not everything, but a lot of things that they do trigger deep places in your unconscious and a lot of the conflict starts to happen. But it's very important to know that this power struggle is not only is it normal, but it's necessary because in that power struggle, lie the key, all the clues to our unmet childhood needs, whether we are aware of it or we're not aware of it, in there are the clues to our growth and our healing. Okay, so the therapy is really there to help you move through the power struggle, know that it's a normal, natural, necessary part of the process and move towards a more conscious partnership. Um, that's in essence what the therapy is really there to help you with. Um, I think that there's also a myth about relationships. And the myth is that a healthy relationship is judged by how frequent or how often there is conflict, how often there is rupture in the relationship. And I think that's a myth because it's more about how to repair the rupture than how often rapture occurs. So well, I think I think I think one of the things that I, I certainly I wasn't told when I got married, and I told my kids is guys, you're going to fight. Guys, you're going to be pushing each other's buttons and it's going to be horribly sore. You know, and I think that if we keep on like looking, you know, and seeing the grasses, thinking the grass is green on the other side. Why can't you know my my spouse do what her spouse is doing and et cetera, et cetera. And really back at the ranch, everybody, it's a natural thing to be in conflict. And I think that needs to be said loud and clear. Yeah, I think that's really what I'm trying to say. The point I'm really trying to make here is that it is a natural and normal thing to be in conflict. And more than natural, it's necessary. Because without it, we cannot move through the power struggle into a more conscious relationship where we can experience a more real type of love. But Anderson, would you then say, like, when it comes to... Um, you know, the usual therapy that people would go to in terms of, you know, couples therapy versus the Imago therapy. Imago is the, the couples therapy, would you say, is more you did this, I did that, trying to kind of work out what the problem was versus actually internalizing and understanding where the issue 
actually comes from within your life and your childhood and your background in order to resolve it? I think it's a little bit of both, but I think where maybe Imago is quite different is that a core principle in Imago, and you speak about connection, this is a huge thing. I really want to unpack this because connection is that, you know, the theory that Imago um, uses, it's based on quantum physics, that we are all in connection, okay? We are in connection with each other. We are in connection with the world. We are in connection with nature. It's, we were born into relationship. We were born mother and child. It's natural for us to be in relationship. And actually connection is always there. But then what happens through childhood wounding, we have an experience of disconnection, okay? And that's what happens within um, a relationship. There's this experience of disconnection. So it's not actually that there's disconnection, it's an illusion, but that causes a lot of the pain. So central to Imago therapy is to create a, 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 a space and experience where you can feel that connection again, okay? So the processes in Imago therapy are more designed around feeling connection and, and, and they're very carefully designed they're specifically designed there are many many processes that focus on creating an experience where that connection can be felt okay and i'll come back to that later if we want to unpack some of the process deeper i'd like to like kind of like almost draw an analogy between our health where we go and say you know you can deal with the symptoms the headache the high blood pressure you could just swallow a tablet or you can go look at the root cause and go see why you have the headache, why you have the blood pressure. I guess that is the same relation. This is 101.9 High FM. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. We are in conversation with Esti Madali, an Imago therapist, and we are discussing relationships because relational energy works like like health you need to go look at the causes and i think Esti, one of the things maybe we can share with our listeners is give one or two examples of something that will happen a strain that will happen in this in the space of a relationship that actually had nothing to do with what was being argued about or fought about and that actually had you know roots elsewhere Okay, so um, I think a good example, you know, and, and, and as I said earlier, these are the clues to our growth. And, you know, as Adel's saying, they, are, they come out as almost the most smallest and simplest things as leaving the socks on the floor, you didn't put it in the washing. And um, let me give you an example. When I think this one maybe a lot of people can relate to is when a spouse comes home late, for example, comes home late from work. And that might deeply trigger an unconscious, unmet childhood need of um, being seen or, you know, um, whatever the unmet need was. And the partner, the spouse who came home late, really loves the, the spouse. And, you know, they, they express a lot of love and they show it in reality. But by them walking through the door late, that triggers such a deep unmet childhood need. And then what happens is, so, so partner A is waiting for partner B, partner B comes home late, partner A gets so hurt and triggered because the wound of that is much deeper than the actual reality. So we call that a projection. And then what it looks like is that partner B has done something very, very wrong. Partner A is cross with partner B. Partner B has done something very, very wrong. That's what it looks like on the outside. But on the inside, partner A has been triggered by a very deep wound and projects that onto partner B. Okay, and in Imago therapy, the work that we do is to deeply unpack what is that unmet childhood need that is deeply triggering when partner B walks through the door. So we try and 
unpack and get to a place of understanding of what the unmet childhood need is. So when we deal with frustrations, what we end up with, instead of telling partner B to come home a bit earlier, which is definitely will be part of the healing solution, we're working a lot in going into the story of partner A. And, and we haven't spoken at all yet about how, you know, the dialogue, but partner B then through therapy is witness and mirrors and goes deep into the story of partner A to understand where is that trigger coming from and therefore develops a lot of empathy for partner A. So being able to meet the need, partner B comes with a lot more empathy for partner A's story. So next mm. time when they walk through the door, they have a whole lot more understanding and empathy because they've stopped to listen. And the therapy is a really a lot about the dialogue. We haven't spoken about the dialogue. I'm let's, sure a lot let's, of... let's, let's dialogue about the dialogue. <laughs> Tell us let's about the dialogue. dialogue. <laughs> The dialogue is the central, most important process in Imago therapy. There are many, many th uh, processes in the therapy, but they all utilize the dialogue as central to the therapy. And there are so many benefits to the dialogue. Let me give you its basic structure. So the way it basically works is partner A is talking, partner B is listening and is mirroring what partner A is saying. Okay. They're not repeating. I think this is a, a, is a misconception that, Partner B just mirror, repeats what partner A said. It's not about repeating at all. It's actually about going into partner A's world. So that means that as a response comes up for partner B, they've got to breathe in that response, breathe it out, park it for the moment, and really go and mirror partner A. Okay? There's so many benefits to this. There are so many benefits to this process. Um, and the first one is just this. I think that when we get into power struggle, we, we act to each other and we actually, now that we understand, we're act, reacting from an unconscious place, okay? So we're not reacting to each other from a conscious, rational place. We're both one child, unmet childhood need triggers the other's unmet childhood needs and we react to each other in this reactive, unconscious, unhealthy dance. What the dialogue does is it stops all of that because partner A is talking. Number one, partner B is not interrupting partner A and um, disagreeing or coming from their point of view they are just mirroring what they heard them say so that's the first benefit okay it's a basic so basically just makes the other, the other partner feel really safe and heard and once you have that safe space and you feel like yes. you bring heard that's when you can make the connection exactly because once partner a is being mirrored and not being interrupted and being seen and being heard the research shows that the part of the brain the reptilian part of the brain, the brain part that we spoke about earlier, that makes a person feel threatened, that gets deactivated. The research shows that as partner B mirrors partner A, partner A's reactive brain gets deactivated and they can now start to access a more rational, conscious thinking part of their brain. So that's just the first benefit. So actually two. Number one, it's a basic communication skill. One talks, the other listens and doesn't interrupt because you don't get anywhere when you have this constant reactive conflict. Okay, oh, so that's God, one. Can you imagine if everybody <laughs> just practiced that? Say that again. One talks, one listens without interrupting back again. <laughs> and it's a big part of this, though, is if I can say, like, you know, if the, if the partner that walks into the door late from work and the, the wife, let's say, reacts, you know, a lot of the time in life, we, we feel threatened by that reaction. Whereas if we understand the Imago therapy and the concept, we don't necessarily feel that threat anymore and understand really it's coming from their stuff, not necessarily yours. And how can you kind of help that situation? Not necessarily feel like I've just done the worst thing ever. 
well, that's a very high and evolved level to be on because, and it's definitely what we're working towards. Absolutely, that's a huge goal. Um, but naturally, we're not on that level. It takes a lot of hard work for you to walk in the door and your partner's so cross with you because you walked in the door late to not naturally get triggered back. It takes a lot of time and effort. Um, but yes, just understanding this, I think it's very useful and it's very beneficial to know that. Okay. So, so, so number one, it's a basic communication skill. One talks, one listens, and the, the person who's talking feels very heard. Okay. Number two, and we said this, that that part of the brain becomes deactivated. So now that person feels much safer. And we were, we were talking just before the break about um, connection. And just to have a little bit of a tangent over here, that in order for there to, to, to be an experience of connection, there needs to be safety in the space. And in Imago, we talk a lot about the space between two people, the space between a couple. The space has to feel safe for there to be an experience of connection. Okay. So that means if the space is an atmosphere that is created around the couple, that the couple actually co-creates because it depends what you put into that space is what the space is going to feel like. So if you're putting a lot of toxicity, blame, criticism into the space, it's not going to feel safe and you're not going to feel the experience of connection. But if you put a lot of consciousness positivity taking the time to work through things understanding these concepts okay it's not about me it's more about you let's unpack it how can I contribute how can I you know help help you in the situation then the space starts to feel much safer and then you can start to experience connection so so number one that it's a basic communication skill number two you're able to now access a much more uh, rational thinking part of your brain number three it's just a boundary the boundary way of talking it, it says I'm talking you know you are listening and you're giving me that space and the fourth thing is I'm just from what the fourth thing is I'll come back to it oh it's that yes and we spoke about this earlier is that it develops empathy this is a huge thing I think that our natural default mode is that we are critical of each other because the reptilian part of our brain that part of our brain that is under threat that engages, you know, that, that, that we're in criticism and when we are being judgmental of each other, that part of the brain is engaged. We are feeling under threat, so we are being critical and judgy. Okay. When we come with a curiosity, that engages the more prefrontal cortex part of our brain, the more rational part of our brain. So the dialogue also facilitates this because when one person talks and the other person really listens, doesn't just repeat, mirrors, understands, withholds their reaction for a later stage, what happens then is partner B develops empathy. And we said this already, but this is the other fourth benefit to the dialogue is that partner B now develops an empathy. So not only have they given the other person a chance to speak, but they've also developed a deep empathy for the other person's story. And as we were talking about before, earlier we were saying how just by, just by actually expressing that empathy also gives the person a space to feel like... You know, Adel, as you were saying about your daughter before the show, you know, your daughter felt heard. All you need to do is say, I hear you and I see that you're frustrated. I see that you're not, you know, that you're not in a good space, whatever. And then they just feel safe and calm. You can kind of bring the imago into into many elements in your life. So just to share with the listeners, um, I was saying I went on an imago course 
And uh, when I came home, my youngest daughter was just <laughs> always irritating my oldest daughter. They shared a bedroom. She was always like touching her stuff and painting on the walls and messing with the duvet. And one day my daughter, like my oldest daughter, stormed out of the bedroom, really, truly frustrated and understandably so. And in, you know, past time I would go and say, well, yes, but she's young. And then call the youngest one and say, you, you're not allowed to do that anymore. You've got to stop it. It's really not nice, which are right things to say. But the frustration and the anger was like like really, really uh, quite like palatable. And I, my daughter like yelled at me, I'm tired of this. Da, 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 da. And I went, so I, what I'm hearing you say is that you're frustrated and irritated because da, 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 is getting into your stuff all the time and you just don't feel like you have a personal space. And in, in an incredulous way, she just went, yes. And that was the end of the conflict. It's not that I was going to go and change my three-year-old, you know, right now from doing what she was doing, but it was more validating. And this is really where I wanted to ask the next question. I've got two questions or two comments that, 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 that we can discuss. The first is, is that that which you are saying right now is, is for sure a, a skill in our, our relationship with our spouse, but it's, it's a human skill altogether, okay? Um, it is something that that we should practice on our children, practice in it with our work colleagues, because what you normally see, you know, is that you'll talk to a person, you'll start engaging, and they're not really listening. They're not taking in. They're just waiting for when can I have a chance to say something, and I didn't. I didn't even hear you. Absolutely, absolutely. It's such a, a valuable life skill, as you say. I think that as the person in, that you're in a relationship with, as it becomes more intimate, it becomes much more triggering. But we are triggered by all people around us. And, um, you know, that part of our brain gets projected onto all of our realities. And we definitely use this Imago therapy work in the workplace. Definitely. It, it's such a wonderful communication skill and not only communication skill, it creates connection in the space because as you say, it's not about, you know, getting my point heard. You know, the partner B is just jumping in and jumping in. It's about partner A really getting a chance to express and partner B really, or person, even in the workplace, person A and person B really listening. And, and what happens, and I've seen this happen and I've experienced this happen, is there is connection in the space. The space feels different. Couples can walk into my office and there's reactivity in the space. They can barely even give each other eye contact. And after an hour and a half of therapy, where we haven't even come to solutions, and this speaks to what you were saying earlier, Adel, we haven't necessarily even come to solutions, okay? But people have heard each other, and that creates connection, and that creates a deep sense of safety in the space. And it's from that place. Now, we mustn't get carried away that it's only about that. We do have to meet each other's needs. But it's all from this place, it's from this safe space that we can start to do that, that we can start to unpack where do the unconscious needs come from? How can I practically meet your need? And that's, I think I really want to emphasize that it is all about diffusing the tension, really just hearing each other out, creating connection and hence safety in the space. But also about a practical, and, and, and we use this idea, I'm sure a lot of you have heard this idea, the acronym is SMART. Okay, it's we try and meet needs in a smart way. So it's small, measurable, achievable, realistic, and with a time frame. So at the end of a therapy session, at the end of almost every therapy session, after delving into the unconscious and delving into where the unmet childhood need actually comes from, we end off with a very practical, smart way of meeting that. So partner A is triggered that partner B walked in the door late. We'll spend an hour and a half 
delving into okay, the feelings, the experiences of what caused that trigger from both sides and how partner B might experience it and we'll, depending, we'll switch depending whatever comes up in the session. But we end off that session with a practical tool, a practical something practical that's got to be realistic, that's got to have a time frame to it, and a small way that partner B can do for partner A to help them feel a little bit more safe and to start to meet those unmet childhood needs. And we have a saying in Imago that the unconscious purpose of marriage is to finish childhood and to then start to live our best life. And I it sounds that. so simple. <laughs> it's not as simple as that, but that's really where, where we're going. Well, well I kind of like a comment on that, that if we actually became conscious human beings, and sadly, I think if we do become, we become much later in life, and then I guess it's too late and you've left your children now to go into the unconscious married and fix up their childhood needs. But if you, if, if one would know this information or even be taught this information at a much younger age, number one, I think a lot of like trial and tribulation would, uh, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be, be suffering from it. And two, you probably would be giving your child such an incredible head on life because, you know, what are we saying? We're saying that all our parents were unconscious and they messed us up and now we're getting married to fix up our consciousness, but at the same time, we are messing up our children. You know what I mean? It's like kind of like a, 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 a roundabout that doesn't get stopped. And I think, it's, I think it's a message across the board that even kids, when they're frustrated or they're triggered, to tell them, stop, express your feeling, validate it, listen, and sometimes we can't fix what's going on on the outside, whatever, the toy broke or, you know, yes, the uncle smacked you or whatever it is, but we can react in a different way. So I think it's, it's Imago goes beyond, you know, uh, marriage, even though, yes, that's where probably the greatest emotional pain is. We're talking with Esti Medali. We're talking Imago. If you'd like to join the conversation, it's uh, 34519. That is our SMS line. 0618951019 is our uh, telegram number. Just to mention that Peggy and I run a WhatsApp group that we would uh, love and encourage you to join. We don't spam it. We just send a little thought every single day just to give you some positive encouragement on how to better your life. If you'd like to join that, it's info at highfm.com. Send us an email to that, uh, that address. Give us your name, give us your number, and we will gladly join you in it. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. Okay, we've got, I think, an, a, a few more questions that certainly we would like answered. Uh, Fagy, ask yours too, because I have another one in my brain. Well, you, you go ahead with yours first. I need to come up with mine and understand it okay. So my question to you, Esty, is, what happens, and, and, and this happens like all the time, like I'm, I'm pretty aware of, of you know, the skill, et cetera, et cetera, but you can sit down with somebody, um, be it that you're in a, relation, you know, a relationship with them or a business partner or thing, and you want to sit down and you, you, you want to you know, clear the space. And that person is so wounded or so like hurt that they, they, they can't come into that space and say, what I hear you say is and empathize and actually like cross over and understand where you're coming from because whatever you're saying, all they're doing is battering you back again. But this, 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 and you land up exasperated because you know 
they actually you can't make that communication what happens then i think that's a very hard question because um you know we can really only change ourselves you know that we can bring a horse to water and make a drink um but we can't even bring a horse to water i think that i heard uh, gabor mate once say that i think there's so much truth in that you know of course if someone is so wounded and i think it does speak a lot to their wounding that they're not able to come into a space and really put their self aside for a moment to hear somebody else. I don't think that that's, there's no judgment on that person. I do think it speaks to very deep wounding. And unfortunately, you do have relationships where one is not willing or is too wounded, really, to come into that space. You can always try. And I think that I have experienced people come into my office and one is definitely more reactive than the other. And it comes from a deeper wounding. I'm, I'm pretty sure of that. Uh, with Tom, eventually you do see that because the way that the, the, the dialogue is structured and my job as a therapist is to really help the person who's talking. So say partner A is talking. I am sending, giving this partner A sentence stems that help deepen what they're saying and move it from blame into self-reflection. So as, a, as a, in therapy, so without therapy, I, you know, I can't really speak to that. I think that when you have deep wounding and someone doesn't want to come, that there's only so much you can do. But within the therapy space, the way that I will try and work with that and what's central to the dialogue is that we, we take when a person is sharing a frustration. So let's go back to partner A sharing a frustration with partner B. What they're going to say is a lot of blame and criticism. And when you walk in the door and you this and you that. So my job as a therapist is to feed them sentence stems that help them go more into self-reflection. OK, and deepen their what they're saying. And that creates more empathy for the person who's listening and will calm down their reactivity as well. Mm. Okay, I think a lot also, of it's also like, Adel, as we were saying in that one show that we had about self-esteem, is that I think a lot of people are very, are very scared of being vulnerable. You know, putting yourself in a space of vulnerability in order to open up for the other person to say things to you and, and for you, in order for you to feel those emotions. You know, we're discussing emotions earlier and I think that you know, as humans, sometimes we actually don't even know what the emotion is or where the emotion is coming from. And AC, you can correct me over here, is in Imago, I feel like you really do find that root cause of where that emotion is actually coming from. And you, you probably name it and you understand it. And once there's that understanding and the person's able to actually feel that vulnerability, that's when you're able to make the connection. Yeah, and the space has to feel safe back to this idea of the space that, you know, a person who is more wounded and is much more reactive and is not able to get into vulnerable mode, especially in a space that is not safe, that they'll never be able to get there because the space just doesn't feel safe enough. So what do you say to a person who's, who, who says, okay, I recognize I'm very reactive. Okay. And I, I, I can't, I can't come into a space now and discuss my innermost feelings. Like it, it, there's no point in trying to make the relationship better when the person is walking around like a wounded animal. Are there any skills that a person individually can take upon to, to you know, get that process going that eventually will allow them to come back into a, you know, into a space of vulnerability? So you're saying, are there any skills for the person who is feeling reactive and reactive. it's not feeling no, willing so to go. Like, I'm, I'm just like such a nutter. I'm like, I'm just completely reactive. And like, I, I can't even sit down and, and, and listen to it. And, I, I, I've met people like that in my life. You know, you sit down across a boardroom and you're trying to explain something and they're just so ticked off. They're like, yeah. so like, you know, riding on cortisol that th th there's nothing that can be said. You know, it's just 
your, your, your words fall flat. Well, if they're willing to, and if there's a want and a willing for them coming from them to want to, then the skills would be all those self-regulation skills. If they're not willing, that is, a, you know, you cannot push someone. You're going to push someone to come into a therapy space. You cannot um, say you have to come and you might get them into their therapy space. But if they're not willing, you, they're not going to budge. But if they are willing, then the skills that I would say are all the self-regulation skills. And actually what we do in the beginning of an imago process is we do a centering Okay, and that, that, that's a self-regulation tool that you could say to someone who's feeling very reactive, but they, not, they want to come into the space, but they're not ready. Breathing, meditation, centering themselves. And actually, we do that in the therapy before we start a process. And depending on how reactive the couple is, when they, where, where maybe one is very reactive or, reactive or both are very reactive, that will determine how long I spend on centering. So if a couple walks through the door and they're extremely reactive, I will take extra time on, on a centering. It will be a breathing. It will be a meditation. It might be a reading from somewhere that, you know, is connected to what they're going through in their relationship. And that will just help calm down that reactive part of the brain. And, and, and a lot of words about coming into this pre, the present moment and, you know, meditative stuff. You can leave everything you have to do, that long to-do list behind and come into the space those are the skills I would say if someone is willing. If someone is not willing, I think that that can't really push someone. Yeah. I remember very clearly one of the um, cartoons that Heidi Schleifer put up um, in the Imago training, and it's stayed with me for 35 years. You see a husband and wife sitting opposite each other on, on, on couches, and they've got this little table in front of them that's, light, that's um, resting on a, uh, on a carpet. And all their tension and everything is on the carpet. So the carpet has lifted up into a mountain and the coffee table is, is wobbling on top. And they say, well, you know, let's talk about our issues. And there's just like so much in the relational space that is actually toxic. And I just remember that having like, you know, like quite a profound effect on me yeah. understanding how important it is to clear yeah. that, that, that out. Yeah, and just to add to that also, Adol, is like, the, the, you know, people have such deep traumas from their childhood and I don't know how willing or able some people are even interested in touching on those traumas, you know. You know, you, have, you, you can say to someone, you have such and such a trauma. Oh, I don't. You know, you're not going to tell someone what their traumas are, but if someone hasn't dealt with something like that's really, really deep from their childhood, they're never really going to be able to overcome those, you know, situations that they have in their relationships, which is also a big one. You know, when, when uh, Nikki was discussing about also your thoughts and how your thoughts create your reality, the concept of, oh, my, how you have changed since I have changed, you know, in order to change things sometimes in relationships, mm -hmm. we also have to go deep into our own stuff and see where that's coming from. Absolutely. So we, we are can... talking to Esti yes. Madali. We've been speaking Imago Therapy. Uh, we're going for a short break and we'll be back shortly. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. Well, as always, we always have just such fun and such engaging conversations and time just goes way, way too fast. In conclusion, Esti, if people want to get hold of you, firstly, how can they? So they can pop me an email uh, on my email address. It's S for sugar, T for tango. Medali, M-E-D-A-L-I-E at gmail.com. Um, and I'll, I'm very good with my email. I'll, I'll get back to them. Um, yeah. Have, have you got a concluding thought that you, you want to share with our listeners? 
I think so. I think that my concluding thought would be that all this theory is wonderful and it's important and it's interesting, but at the end of the day, it boils down to doing the work. And sometimes the work is a lot of work. And, and sometimes to get there, there really are just simple things that we can do to get there. And I think I really want to leave our listeners with that, that, um, for example, um, affirmations, those are small, tiny things that you can do that actually increase safety in the space. So if all of this is sounding like a lot, you know, or maybe a bit intricate or there's something so small that you can do. And we call that the launching pad for the work, appreciation for each other. And if I can say to our listeners, let's just try this at home, sit down on the couch tonight and just say to your spouse or your partner or whoever it is that you're battling with in a relationship. And even if it feels hard to do this, just try it and say, what I appreciate about you is. And just see, watch, notice what happens in the space. What happens when you fill the space with affirmations, positivity, appreciations, you'll start to feel that, of course, when there's deeper work to be done, there's deeper work to be done. But this is just something small and practical that I'd like to leave our listeners with. Be conscious of the space. Be conscious of what you put into the space. Because what you put in is what actually you'll feel. So yeah, I think that that would be my one small practical tip that I'd leave with our listeners. Brilliant. Thank you. So what I'm going to say is what I appreciate about this space and this time is that we are able to share and dialogue and be vulnerable and understand our health on a much, much greater level. And just, again, that little drop of positivity goes a long way. To mention one more time that Peggy and I do run a WhatsApp group, and if you'd like to join it, it you can send an email to info at highfm.com and uh, give us your name and your number, and we will join you. And every day, we'll just come into your space just for a minute. Um, and give you some positive feedback. Thank you again, Esti, as always, um, Peggy. It's been- thank you, Esti. Thank you, Adel. As always, thank you. Thank you this so much for having me. Thank Hi. you for creating this space for us. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. Cheers.